CBS News brings new Planned Parenthood president Alexis McGill Johnson into the studio for an objective interview. And by that, I mean a partisan pandering smack on the lips. Then CNN moderators for the second set of Democrat presidential debates say a lot about abortion without ever saying the word abortion. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. So last week on July 30th, CBS News reporter Kate Smith brings in new Planned Parenthood president Alexis McGill Johnson for a 25-minute interview on her new position as the president of Planned Parenthood, the current state of the abortion juggernaut in our country, and the attempts by pro-life legislators to roll back women's rights. And it was a pandering smack on the lips. This woman, Kate Smith, is, is identified as a news reporter, um, but this is not news reporting. This is political pandering to the abortion juggernaut Planned Parenthood. And so there, as always, were some clips that stood out above and beyond the rest because of how much they reveal the current state of the abortion juggernaut and the commitment of those in the pro-choice movement to continue slaughtering babies and making significant blood money on doing so. So here's our first clip where news reporter Kate Smith inquires as to the recent change in leadership at Planned Parenthood and the conversation that's brought up in the country regarding who is Planned Parenthood. Are they a political partisan hackery of a machine or are they a healthcare organization? So here's that clip. One thing about Dr. Wen's departure from Planned Parenthood has gotten a lot of people wondering, what is Planned Parenthood? Where are they? Are they a political organization or are they a network of healthcare? And what is your answer to that? Well, I think that, um, first of all, I have a great deal of respect for Dr. Wen. I think that the media has misread a little bit of her, um, of, of the statement that she put out about philosophical differences, because the truth is, it's a, it's a false choice. We are primarily a healthcare provider. We provide access to sexual and reproductive health, in some cases, primary care uh, to everyone. And, and the idea that uh, we can provide that access uh, depends on our ability to keep our health centers open. So we hold, you know, the um, the uh, politics in a way to help us kind of provide the health care. But what I would suggest is that, you know, we're not political by nature, but we've been politicized. And that fight has actually been our focus to ensure that our health centers stay open. So let me translate that. Essentially, all that Alexis McGill Johnson said in that euphemistic paragraph was, we're political hacks because we love abortion. And without being political hacks, we would lose our ability to kill babies and make a ton of money. So it's a false choice. It's not that, that we have to choose between being a political machine or a healthcare organization. We have to have one to have the other. That's what she's saying. She's freely admitting that they are political partisan hacks, but only because we need to protect the rights of families to pay abortionists to dismember their children. That's the only reason why we're so political. And so politics becomes essentially the tool to protect our abortion mills so they can remain highly profitable baby killing centers. 
You want to know what, what was actually said? That's what Alexis McGill Johnson means, is we wield politics as a battering ram to ensure that, that white pro-life male legislators who want to stop the killing of children won't be able to do so. Now, notice she says that we have not, we're not political by nature. We've just been politicized, which is a very interesting way to explain Planned Parenthood's involvement and commitment to the political battle. We're not political by nature. We've been politicized. So imagine, imagine using this type of reasoning in your day-to-day life. Let's say in your family life, right? So you have kids and your kids are fighting and one of them hits, hits their sibling. And so you say, that's wrong. You shouldn't hit your sibling. You shouldn't hit your brother. And then your kid responds, but he made me hit him when he called me stupid. He made me hit him. Well, no, no, you chose to hit him. He didn't make you hit that, hit him. He, he may have provoked you, but you chose to hit him. You had a choice just because there was a situation in which you felt provoked to do something. That didn't mean that the other party, your sibling made you do that. That's what Alexis McGill Johnson's saying here. She's saying, because of the attempts to save unborn children from abortion dismemberments, we've, we just became politicized. We, we were politicized. We didn't have any choice. We just, we just had to respond and become partisan political hacks aiming at enshrining abortion through all nine months of pregnancy in all 50 states. We just didn't have a choice. It just had to happen. <laughs> I mean, what an immature response to a conversation of ultimate significance that impacts the lives of innocent human beings. No Planned Parenthood, you don't have to kill babies and you don't have to participate in the political workings to ensure that you can continue killing babies for profit. You could stop abortions and you would actually cease to be the politically controversial entity that you are. If you just focused on on true reproductive health care, meaning that like you're providing health care that leads to reproduction or prevents reproduction rather than killing the thing that's already been reproduced. If you just focused on the reproductive health care portion, not nearly as many people, if any, would be upset with you or would have a problem with you. It's because you kill tiny humans. That's why people have a problem with you. So you have chosen to politicize yourself for political purposes because as she freely admits, we do that to be able to continue to perform abortions, which of course she's going to continue to call sexual reproductive health care. Now, in this next clip, you're going to see her admit that abortion is vitally important to who Planned Parenthood is, and they are not willing to stop killing babies through abortion. So here, Kate Smith is going to ask Alexis Johnson about, actually, she's going to bring up the 3% lie that only 3% of Planned Parenthood services are abortion. And then she's going to ask her about whether they would ever allow themselves to move beyond abortion care, meaning we're going to stop abortions, stop being controversial, and get more public support from Americans. So here you go. So a vast majority of Planned Parenthood patients actually don't come to your clinics for abortion. I think it's only three and a half percent. Um, Is there a scenario where you would discontinue abortion services in order to make everything else that you do easier, better funded, and just easier for your patients? Absolutely not. 
Now, I was on the board when we voted to ensure that abortion was one of our core services that every center affiliated with Planned Parenthood would provide. We think it's a critical part of, a, uh, of access to full reproductive uh, and sexual health care. And so there's no scenario where we would actively decide on our own to not provide it. It is a medical procedure, it's a health care procedure, and we believe that it should be um, seen in that broad spectrum of health care. So there you go. Abortion is just a medical health care procedure, and they would absolutely never consider removing abortions from their services. And of course they aren't going to, because it, it makes up a vast amount of the revenue that they bring in every year. So there you go. Planned Parenthood. Abort no matter what. Their care no matter what phraseology is a front to disguise their true commitment to abortions no matter what. Now look at this journalism right here. This is just so objective. This is th th These are our moral betters that we can trust with bringing us the unadulterated news for us to disseminate through and reach our own opinions. My goodness, Kate Smith here doesn't ask Alexis McGill-Johnson about the percentage of abortions that they provide in the, in the portion of their services. She just, she just comes out and says it. Uh, well, I think it's only 3.5% of your patients come in for abortion. That's only about 3% of your services. And then just goes right on. And Alexis goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, repeating a lie that has been debunked so many times. It's, it's honestly becoming exhaust. It's honestly exhausting for the pro-life movement to continue debunking this lie. It's been so thoroughly debunked by so many people. And people on the other side of the aisle have agreed that this is a bold-faced lie as well. So let's briefly address this because if you're tuning into the show or maybe you're just now starting to keep your, your pulse and your, your thumb on the pro-life pulse rather because you're concerned with where our country's going on abortion, then you may not have heard this lie or heard it properly debunked. Now, live action has a great video debunking this lie. If you just search live action, Planned Parenthood 3% abortions, you'll find that. We're not going to show it for, to you here because of time, but check it out. It's very good. But I'm just going to look and pull out the data that Planned Parenthood has given us, and we're going to do some really simple math together. And we're going to see whether this lie can be backed by Planned Parenthood's own data in their annual revenue reports. So this is, this is the pitch, right? Planned Parenthood does a lot of services and provides many services for women. Abortion is part of that, but it only really accounts for 3% of our total services. Now, we know that Planned Parenthood performs about 330,000 abortions a year. In the last few years, it has been over 300,000. We also know that conservatively speaking, okay, I'm being super conservative, that the average cost of an abortion is about $450. Now, obviously, the later term abortions, the more developed the baby is, now you're, you're actually above 1,000. You're in the, in the $1,100, $1,200, $1,300 range to kill children that are perfectly capable of surviving outside the womb apart from their mother's uterus. And so if we just do some basic math here, we're going to see the type of revenue that Planned Parenthood brings in on abortion. So 330,000 abortions a year multiplied by 450 gets you $150 million. So Planned Parenthood makes at least $150 million a year on abortions, conservatively speaking. This is not even factoring in later term abortions that they're going to be charging $700, $800, $900, $1,000 to kill that baby. So if $150 million 
represents 3% of Planned Parenthood's revenue, then their total annual revenue would be $5 billion. If abortions only account for 3% of Planned Parenthood services and therefore revenue, and they make $150 million a year on those, then you multiply that to 100 to get their total annual revenue for all types of services, and it would be $5 billion. Here's the problem. Planned Parenthood's 2017-2018 annual report that came out recently marked their total revenue at $1.6 billion. Oh, by the way, that includes the $500 million from the federal government. That includes the half a billion of taxpayer funding to Planned Parenthood. So if you take out the free money from the government, then they, they brought in $1.1 billion off of services rendered. Oops. Based off of their own numbers and math, they would have to be bringing in $5 billion a year. And this is such a clear, bold-faced lie. And yet, news reporter Kate just runs right with it. Just says, that's oh, only 3% of what you do. The Washington Post fact checker gave this claim three Pinocchios and said it was, quote, very misleading. The Washington Post democracy dies in darkness. These, the, the, these are people that are, that are just essentially an arm of the Democratic Party. And they're saying that this claim is total bogus. But she's going to run right with it because you want to know what real collusion is? The real collusion is the collusion between the mainstream media and Planned Parenthood. So this next clip is, is just further evidence of this collusion, further evidence of the mainstream media being in bed with Planned Parenthood, particularly now that everyone is so afraid of four more years of a Trump presidency. And so in this clip three, she just throws out some statistics about the American support for Roe or the American rejection of Roe and, and then just poses a question about um, what would you say to these women who disagree with you? So let's go ahead and play this clip and can, seeing more of this political pandering from the mainstream media. There are people who believe abortion is morally wrong. Um, it's about 28% of Americans mm -hmm. have said that. What do you say to those people? You know, 77% of Americans actually have strong support for Roe. And so when I, um, I understand the moral concerns that people may have with respect to abortion, I also believe that what that 77% number is telling me is that people want, want the woman to be able to make that decision in concert with her medical provider and her, you know, uh, her religious provider, as it were. And so I think the question is really about whether or not the government should be involved in these decisions or if a woman has a right to make these decisions uh, in the, you know, with, her, with, her, with her God and her doctor. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No follow-up question to that claim. No follow-up question. No challenge to that claim. News reporter Kate just swallows that claim whole that 77% of Americans show strong support for Roe. This, this, is, this is such a ridiculous claim. And, and this reporter doesn't even challenge her at all. What, what does Roe say and what did Roe mean? Well, Roe versus um, Wade and Doe versus Bolton together in 1973 enshrined abortion rights legally 
in all 50 states, but they did allow states to restrict abortion once the unborn child was defined as being viable or able to survive outside the womb. But apart from state restrictions, Roe does essentially become the law of the land. And this is partially why so many states right now are passing legislation that says when Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion will be illegal in this state. Or like New York, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion will be legal through all nine months of pregnancy in our state. And this divide is continuing to separate the American public. But what is the actual American public opinion on Roe? Because Alexis McGill-Johnson says that 77% of Americans show strong support for Roe. Essentially, she's saying because of that, the other percentage doesn't matter to me because she says that percentage tells me that people want women to be able to make that decision in concert with her medical provider and her religious provider, whatever that means. But if we look at the Gallup poll numbers from the last couple of years, we get very different percentages. And this is, this is not a pro-life news site. This is a Gallup poll. And, and CBS News doesn't even bother to challenge her on this statistic because this entire interview was essentially about ideologically making out with Planned Parenthood and getting everyone to praise the new president of Planned Parenthood leading up to the 2020 elections, which will con continue to pose a big threat to the abortion juggernaut. So compare Roe, which says abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all, because they defined health so broadly to include anything that you want to define as health, your family health, your financial health, your emotional health, your psychological health. And so in the third trimester where abortion is restricted in Roe, if you just define health however you want, then you can get an abortion. So Roe says abortion through all nine months of pregnancy in all 50 states for any reason or no reason at all, unless a state has passed restrictions. Well, what does the American public say? Well, the Gallup poll in 2017 said that 72% of Americans said late trimester abortion should be illegal. 72%. Nearly three-fourths of the American public said abortions in the late trimester should be illegal. Just not even an option. And of course, we know that the unborn child can be delivered and survive outside the womb at that point apart from the mother anyway. So abortion is not medically necessary. And then a Gallup poll this year, 2019, back in just a couple months ago, 25% of Americans said abortion should be legal under any circumstance. Okay, well, that means that the other percentage believe that it should be legal only in certain circumstances or illegal in all certain cir uh, circumstances. Only one-fourth of Americans are saying America that abortion should be legal under any circumstances. But the new president of Planned Parenthood, Alexis McGill-Johnson, says 77% of Americans have strong support for Roe. No, they don't. That's a lie. 25% of Americans seem to have strong support for Roe because Roe legalizes abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. And only 25% of people are saying that they're okay with abortion under any circumstance throughout all three trimesters. Now, we're going to continue to look at some of these clips um, because this is important as we lead up to the 2020 elections because not very many Americans are aware of how radical Planned Parenthood is, or how radical the Democratic Party has become in pushing abortion rights. And interviews like this show very blatantly the type of relationship between Planned Parenthood and the mainstream media to push a certain narrative onto the American public regarding abortion, hoping that they will vote for someone who supports these types 
of views. But first, I have an exciting announcement for you. This fall, in partnership with Students for Life of America, I'm going on the road for my university speaking tour entitled Abortion is Genocide. I will be discussing how genocide has always entailed the dehumanization of an entire class of human beings in order to justify their mistreatment or slaughter. And not so coincidentally, those who murdered Jews and blacks denied the personhood of their victims just as vehemently as practitioners of abortion deny the personhood of the unborn. Now, I'm not saying that abortion is identical to the Holocaust or slavery. While circumstantially different, the same worldview drives the abortion juggernaut as drove the Holocaust and the pro-slavery movement, namely the dehumanization of those that you deem as less and want to utilize for your own purposes so that you can justify in your mind their mistreatment or slaughter. Genocide always entails the dehumanization of a class of human beings, and that is what is happening on the issue of abortion. And if we do not understand our history, we are doomed to repeat it as we have been doing for nearly 47 years. And so I'm going to be taking this speaking tour onto these university campuses on the West Coast in partnerships with the Students for Life clubs around the country discussing these ideas. So if you're interested in that lecture, if you're a college student or if you're a parent with kids who are in college, talk about the possibility of bringing this exciting speaking tour and lecture to your university campus in the fall and stimulating dialogue with those on your campus who may radically disagree with you or only maybe moderately and would be very open to discussing ideas in the marketplace of ideas about one of the most important ideas today facing the American public, that of abortion. So in just one second, we're going to look at a few more clips from this interview with CBS News and Alexis McGill-Johnson, the new president of Planned Parenthood. We'll be right back. All right, so CBS News continues this interview with Alexis McGill-Johnson, the new president of Planned Parenthood, and begins to ask a question that I initially thought was really honest. I initially thought was a bit of a challenge to the leader of the largest abortion provider in the country. But as all things do with partisan politics, it quickly went south because, again, these people are in bed with Planned Parenthood and want to ensure that a radically pro-abortion candidate ends up in the White House in 2020. So Kate um, goes, goes on here from CBS News and, and asks Alexis a question regarding the science behind the pro-life movement of the unique individuality of each human life in the womb. I spent some time at the National Right to Life Conference and there seems to be, they're moving away from the idea that this is a religious argument and they're leaning more into science and saying that, you know, you can detect fetal heart activity at six weeks. Um, mm -hmm. A fetus can feel pain at a certain level. I mean, what do you say to people who are telling you that you know, there's life there and it's a unique you know, human being, potentially? What I say is, again, these are decisions that have to, be, that have to live in the purview of the, a woman, her family, and her doctor and her, you know, religious counsel, she has them. And that, you know, it's, it's, I'm not the arbiter on, on science or, or on their morality. I do believe that the, the government's role in this is, is, is 
is minimal, if non-existent, and that these decisions, um, for a woman to be able to make them, it's critical for her to be able to have um, have the, the folks that she chooses around to make them with her. Got it. Got it? Got it. Seriously? I, I mean, this started out really well. You'll notice Kate Smith says that the pro-life movement is leaning more on science. Not, not that they're inventing facts that they're calling science. She freely admits that they're leaning more on science, objective science. You know, the thing that the left loves, pro-science. It's, it's what they say to back all of their more radical beliefs, that this is pro-science. And so we, we finally have a pro-science comment about the pro-life movement, and she doesn't challenge a single statement that Alexis McGill-Johnson says. She says, oh, got it. Got it? Seriously? Alexis completely avoids the question when asked, what do you say to people who say that there is a, a life there, a unique human being that can feel pain and has a beating heart? And she says, well, these decisions have to live in the purview of a woman. Any objective news reporter at this point would have asked why. Why? Why do these decisions have to live in the purview of a woman, her family, and her religious provider if the human being in the womb is a distinct living human being who has a beating heart and can feel pain? Why should that only live in the purview of a woman's decision? Or Alexis Johnson says, I'm not the arbiter of science or their morality. And I believe that the government's role is minimal if non-existent. Why? Why is the government's role restricting the killing of unborn children minimal or non-existent? I mean, th that's such an obvious next question to ask. But, but CBS News and Kate Smith are not interested in challenging the new leader of Planned Parenthood. They're interested in political pandering to make sure that she feels very comfortable leading the largest ki killer of unborn children in the country. So she goes on to ask her a question about genocide. And, and so maybe we should invite these people to my university speaking to her in the fall. She goes on to ask a question about her reaction to certain pro-life legislation that compares abortion to the Holocaust. And once again, Alexis McGill-Johnson just uses absolute euphemistic language to justify abortion. I've noticed that in a lot of state laws, there's some very strong language about abortion. In particular, in Alabama, I noticed that they, refer they likened abortion to the Holocaust, to you know Chinese purges, Stalin's gulags, Cambodian killing fields. I'm, I'm quoting from the legislation right now. And you know, this isn't, some silly piece, some silly bill that was introduced and died. Like this is state law now. Mm -hmm. What is your reaction when you hear abortion being compared to the Holocaust? I mean, I think that the the lengths that people will go to criminalize women and their choices is is extreme. Um, you know, again, I believe that that there is significant, you know, um, extreme rhetoric that is guiding many of these bills. And, um, you know, I have deep concern about how the, um, the rhetoric impacts and shames women for making these choices. And so, um, so, you know, I think it's horrible that, these, that this language is in there. I think it fundamentally misunderstands um, what, what is at stake here with respect to women's reproductive freedom. Um, and, you know, I find it reprehensible. So rather than examining the ideas in the pro-life piece of legislation from Alabama and the reasons for why those legislators would compare abortion to the Holocaust, news reporter Kate Smith calls it a silly bill. Or rather, she's, this is not just a silly bill. 
that died. This is state law now, as if it's so silly. It's so silly, it's so ludicrous, so dumb, stupid pro-lifers comparing abortion to the Holocaust without giving any context for in which the, the, the abortion was being used in that piece of legislation. And this is exactly what my lecture is about, right? That abortion is a dangerous misstep in history by utilizing the same dangerous tactics of dehumanization to justify your political or immoral ends or goals. And that usually involves the elimination of an entire class of human beings. But she's not interested in reading that portion of the bill as, as to the very serious worldview concerns that abortion repeats from slavery and the Holocaust. No, it's just a silly bill. And what's your response to these ridiculous people comparing abortion to the Holocaust? She gives no follow-up question whatsoever as to why this language is reprehensible. That's what Alexis McGill-Johnson says. This language is reprehensible. Why? Why is it reprehensible? You didn't, you didn't provide a single reason as to why a comparison between abortion and the Holocaust is unwarranted. You just said it's reprehensible, it's horrible, and it shames women. Why? Why is it horrible? Why is it reprehensible? And how does it shame women? No follow-up questions to this. They don't even debunk the comparison between abortion and the Holocaust. Provide no reasons as to why it's a disgusting, inappropriate, and unwarranted comparison. They just say it is. Because to acknowledge why it is unwarranted and why they think it's disgusting would acknowledge saying something like, well, the baby is not a baby, and the Jews were humans and had rights. They would have to create a very stark line in the sand separating abortion from the Holocaust. And the primary way you would do that would be to double down and dehumanize the unborn even more by saying that they're not a person. And that's why it's ridiculous to compare it to genocide. But the Jews and the blacks were persons, and that's why those should be called genocidal acts or um, a Holocaust. So our question to you, Alexis McGill-Johnson, is if it's so horrible to compare abortion to the Holocaust because it shames women, then why don't you just say that abortion is nothing like the Holocaust because the unborn is not a person. It's not a human. Or if it is a human, we just don't believe that person has any rights whatsoever. And the mother's rights always trumps the baby's rights. That's what you believe. Just say it. Don't hide behind your euphemistic doublespeak to try to intentionally deceive the American public while CBS News goes right along with it to allow that lie in this 25-minute interview that's aired all across the country. So if you care about what's happening in our country and you actually want information by which to formulate your own views, do not watch CBS News. Do not watch CNN. These are extensions of the Democratic Party that are purely interested in advancing that party's agenda. And the issue that's at the top of the ticket for that agenda has been, and for the foreseeable future, always will be abortion until the Democratic Party stops being the party of abortion. Now, Kate Smith goes on here and asks Alexis Johnson a very interesting question. And it's actually a question I've seen posed to people in the abortion rights movement before. And typically they have no problem answering it. But Alexis McGill Johnson had a serious problem answering this question. She refused to answer it. Here's what that question was. Have you or a family member ever been part of an abortion? Do you have a personal experience with that with that procedure? I think that's a personal question, and um, and I will leave it as a personal question. Fair enough. Thank you. More collusion. More collusion. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. That's your response, Kate Smith, to her refusal to answer a question as to whether she or someone in her family has ever had a personal experience with abortion. Oh, it's a personal question. I'm going to leave it as a personal question. Fair enough. No, not fair enough. You're a news reporter. That's how you're identified in this interview. You should be asking questions like, if abortion is simply adequate reproductive health care, or as you just described, Alexis, it's a medical health care procedure, then why is it so personal? That, that would be the natural objective question to ask if you were actually reporting on the news. You would ask, well, Alexis, you just laid out a very strong case for why abortion is a woman's right because it's a common medical healthcare procedure. And so if that's true, and it's kind of just like another surgical procedure that someone would need for their own health, then why is the decision to get an abortion so personal that you refuse to answer the question? That would be an objective news reporter question to ask. But of course, Alexis McGill Johnson refuses to answer the question. Now, there could be a couple things going on here. Either she could have had an abortion and be justifying it and rationalizing it away in her mind, while deep down somewhere on her heart, she identifies the writing of God and has to use this type of language to justify her decision. Or she's just never had an abortion but believes that those types of decisions are private decisions that are best left to, as she says, the purview of a woman, her family, and her God. And so therefore you shouldn't be intruding into those private decisions. But again, why is it so private? If it's just like getting your gallbladder removed or your appendix removed, it's just a surgical procedure because the thing in the womb doesn't have any rights. And actually we're questioning whether the thing in the womb is even a person then why is it so personal? You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be ashamed to say that you had to have your appendix removed or that you had to have your gallbladder removed or even that you, had to, that you chose to have breast implants or face implants or whatever that you, decisions you made for your own perceived version of health. Well, if abortion is no different, what's the big deal? Why are you so privatizing that decision that you won't even share it with her? But she doesn't ask any of those questions. Kate Smith just says, eh, fair enough. But this... This gets at the deeper question in the issue of abortion, don't it? Doesn't it? it? Who is the unborn child? Are they simply a blob of tissue for whom abortion is a simple medical procedure that gently suctions out a blob of tissue? Or are they a unique individual whose life began at the moment of conception and therefore has inherent and intrinsic dignity that ought to be protected as such under the law? And that would require abortion being made illegal. And the reality is, is that nearly everyone listening to this show or watching this show knows someone who has had an abortion. And whether they have repented and regret their decision or they're doubling down and justifying their decision, deep down they know that their decision was a decision of significant moral weight and was actually a wrong decision. Even for those who champion the right to abortion somewhere deep down, they know that this issue involves more than just sexual reproductive health care. So next, we're going to examine more collusion between the mainstream media 
and Planned Parenthood during the second set of Democratic presidential debates, where Planned Parenthood didn't seem to appreciate CNN's intentional collusion on their behalf. But first, if you like this show and you want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement, of the abortion wars, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. Now, I know you get asked by everyone for your money, but this January is going to mark 47 years of legalized abortion and over 60 million dead babies. But life is actually winning again in America. And you know this, the defenders of abortion are running scared and they are doing everything they can to shut down dialogue. And even sometimes de-platform shows like this that discuss triggering ideas that they don't like. But with your help, we can continue to produce this show, increase our production value, bring you more episodes, bring guests onto the show, produce patron-only content for your benefit to be a more effective voice for the unborn and provide a one-stop shop for pro-life individuals like yourself to receive training, encouragement, education, and a bit of humor so you can go back out and be a gracious voice for the unborn children in our midst. We will be right back. Well, welcome back to the show. So on July 30th and 31st, we had the second round of debates for the Democratic contenders and candidates for the White House in 2020. And this was hosted by CNN and moderated by Don Lemon, Jake Tapper, and Dana Bash, all from CNN. And it was interesting that in two nights of debates, hours of conversations, hours of debating, multiple candidates... Not a single question was asked by the moderators on the issue of abortion, not once, in two nights of the second round of debates. And Alexandra DeSanctis at National Review, excellent columnist, wrote a piece called Why Won't Moderators Ask Democrats About Abortion, published on the morning of July 31st, so leading up to the evening of the second night of debates. And she she noticed and notated something very observed something rather very important in her article. She said, "Not one 2020 presidential candidate has articulated a single restriction on abortion access that they would support. Several of the front runners support federal legislation that would nullify any and all state laws protecting the unborn." Every senator running voted against a bill that would have done nothing more than require doctors to provide adequate medical care to infants born alive after attempted abortion procedures. And as I wrote on NRO yesterday, every primary candidate with a health care proposal would require unlimited abortion coverage and Medicare for all would require taxpayers to foot the bill. But the average observer likely has no idea that Democratic politicians take these stances. That's thanks in large parts to journalists like last night's debate moderators who didn't pose a single question about the issue to the 10 candidates on stage. A repeat performance is almost guaranteed in the second debate this evening. And of course, a repeat performance was indeed guaranteed. Not a single question was asked on the second evening. So this is more of this collusion between Planned Parenthood 
and the mainstream media. And of course, if you're watching this, you're probably already aware of that. But this is this is very important right now because everything that is done politically leading up to the 2020 election is, of course, done to either guarantee a re-election by President Trump or a Democratic presidential hopeful in the White House. And so when you see this type of collusion between CNN, just the facts, right, an objective news reporting organization that's moderating this debate and seeing the way in which they're intentionally not bringing up questions on abortion, probably because they know it will turn off the American public to hear the candidates that CNN knows are radical espouse their radical views on abortion that aren't going to align with the majority of Americans. So while clearly using their title of news reporter to work as a essentially a secret agent for Planned Parenthood, the abortion juggernaut didn't catch the subtle strategy. And they took to Twitter lambasting CNN and the debate moderators for not asking questions on abortion. <laughs> totally unaware of the fact that CNN was probably trying to be intentionally strategic on behalf of Planned Parenthood to not ask any questions on abortion. But Planned Parenthood completely missed that. And so they take to Twitter, and here's some of their tweets as they were realizing that no questions were coming up on abortion. In fact, a hashtag, AskAboutAbortion, started trending on Twitter. So Planned Parenthood Action Twitter account said, Tonight, voters miss an opportunity to hear how Democratic candidates will approach a fundamental issue that impacts their lives. Candidates spent more than 30 minutes debating health care, but it's meaningless if we cannot access it. Of course, accessing health care has nothing to do with dismembering babies, but of course, that's the, that's the talking point. They go on and say, in nearly three hours, there was not one question on abortion access or reproductive health care, despite the fact that the Trump administration is actively trying to dismantle our nation's program for affordable birth control with a gag rule. They go on, as the American people decide their vote, they deserve to hear about the candidates' visions for how they will protect and expand access to abortion. We call on the Democratic National Committee and CNN to ensure that efforts to protect abortion access are discussed. I mean, so this is just hilarious. Like, I mean, they are the largest provider of abortions in the country. And Don Lemon and Jake Tapper are probably like, good job, man. We really did a good one for Planned Parenthood tonight. Didn't bring up abortion once. And Planned Parenthood's like, you suck. You need to ask the candidates about abortion. <laughs> Completely unaware of the fact that they were totally going to bat for Planned Parenthood by not bringing it up because these candidates are all so extremely radical on their positions on abortion and how they would implement policies to protect abortion that Don Lemon and Jake Tapper know that if they get the candidates talking about those proposals, they're going to turn off more of the American public, that they need to vote for whoever the leading contender of the Democratic Party becomes. So essentially, Don Lemon's probably sitting over there going, come on, guys, shut up. I love abortion as much as you guys. I'm trying to get Trump out of office. And I don't want Americans to know how extreme all of these candidates are on abortion. Do you want to scare away the American public from the Democratic Party? I mean, come on, you know that only 13% of Americans believe that third trimester abortion should be legal, right? You know that, right? I mean, come on, at CNN, we all want to see more babies killed. But when every candidate supports abortion to the day of birth, 
supports repealing the Hyde Amendment, forcing American dollars to fund abortion, and every senator running for president voted against protecting born-alive infants from botched abortions. Come on, man. I'm Don Lemon. I just decided to try and help you all out by not bringing up abortion. You should be thanking me. I didn't bring it up. You want those radical ideas that don't align with the vast majority of Americans being espoused on national television leading up to the 2020 election? I did one for you, man. You should throw a plaque of me up on your wall at Planned Parenthood. So CNN is essentially saying we need to focus on Trump bad so Americans vote for a Democrat. And dude, chill Planned Parenthood. Whatever Democrat president you get will be abortion crazy without the American public knowing that. Okay. That's the strategy here. Don't bring up abortion. Trump bad. And then whoever ends up in the White House amongst the Democrats will be plenty pro-abortion enough for Planned Parenthood. This is CNN's 2020 strategy. Their objective news reporting strategy is less of radical Democrats because that's going to ostracize moderate voters and more of the evils of Trump. And, And Planned Parenthood just missed the memo. Must have missed Don Lemon and Jake Tapper's memo that we're not bringing up abortion tonight for your own good. Planned Parenthood has become as radical as possible leading up to these elections. And that, that is evidenced in firing their really their strategically moderate president, Leanna Wen, who's just as pro-abortion as Cecile Richards was. She's just more strategically moderate, right? She's like Don Lemon. Shh, shh, keep it on the DL. Don't say that we're an abortion mill. Don't say that we're an abortion organization, a finely tuned political machine focused on enshrining abortion rights. Shh, shh, right? So from Planned Parenthood firing their strategically moderate president to now lambasting CNN, their journalistic prostitute for not discussing abortion, Planned Parenthood is going as radical as possible. I'm all for it, frankly. I'm pumped on it. This is, this is f- way too radical for the American public. <laughs> and if that's going to ostracize moderate Democrats away from the Democratic Party or personally pro-life, moderate pro-life people, then um, the moderate pro-choice people, then, then so be it. That is awesome. That is less people that will be ensuring that a radical pro-abortion president ends up in the White House in 2020. So what would, what would real objective journalism look like? from moderators on the issue of abortion because we certainly didn't see that at all. So let's imagine, and this will be difficult, imagine a fantasy world in which CNN is actually just the facts and is our objective news reporters. What would the questions look like to candidates on the issue of abortion? Well, here's some questions I came up with that Don Lemon would ask if he wasn't a partisan hack. So do you believe that the fetus ever gains a right to life that should be protected under the Constitution? Okay, it's not a biased question. It's just only 13% of Americans believe in third trimester abortions. So do you believe the fetus in the womb ever gains a right to life? How about, um, do you support any restrictions on abortion? Especially in the late second and third trimester when medical experts agree that abortion is never, never medically necessary? Be a pretty good question. How about, would you plan on overturning the Hyde Amendment, forcing Americans to fund abortion procedures with their tax dollars against their will? That's another good one. How about, would you require abortion clinics to provide all of the information to a pregnant woman required to make an informed decision, including statistics on increased risk of ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages, and breast cancer after an abortion? If we care about women's health, we should care about how the decision to have an abortion might impact her health 
after the abortion. And here's another one. Do you oppose abortion in certain circumstances, such as sex-selective abortions, ethnic-selective abortions, or genetic-selective abortions? Would you oppose abortion for any of those reasons? And live action has caught some very disturbing um, phone calls that they've recorded where they've had someone call in and say, I want to make a donation specifically for aborting a black baby. Yeah, abort that MFR. Will, will you accept that donation? Every time Planned Parenthood is happy to accept that donation. Do you have any problem with that? These would be very natural, objective questions to ask if you actually cared about informing the American public and clarifying policy for the American public so that they can make informed decisions as they head to the ballot box. But I guess CNN isn't pro-choice that way. They're just pro-choice on killing babies. They're not pro-choice on information. They're not pro-choice on policy clarity. They're just pro-choice on killing unborn children. And we're only going to see more and more of this over the next 16, 17 months leading up to the 2020 election because CNN and CBS News are overly concerned with getting evil Trump out of the White House and getting a radically pro-abortion candidate that will be extremely dangerous for unborn children in his place. That's all we have time for today, but I, I want us to be aware of this type of collusion that's happening on a regular basis if you're not aware of it already so that you're informed when you, when you view the news, when you disseminate the news, and when you talk about it with those that you care about, particularly those who do not share your position in opposing abortion. And we have a lot of good reasons to offer to people as to why every human being should be opposed to abortion, regardless of religious affiliation. And so if you want to get more of that type of information, be more equipped to defend your pro-life views, then head on over to my website at sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, and engage with me online, sign up for my newsletter, Check out my speaking schedule and training videos so that you're more equipped to defend life. So thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube. Give the show a review. Give it a rating. That really helps us climb the rating ladder on iTunes so that we can reach more people. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.